Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 18 with Patrick Macchion. Patrick is a featured keynote speaker, a best-selling author, including the acclaimed book, The Oxygen Advantage, and world-renowned Butenko Clinic founder. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Patrick. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 18 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Patrick Macchion. Patrick, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your leadership, your books, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? Well, I suppose I'm fortunate enough that I found an occupation that suits my skill set. You know, I think we have to realize that there's some things in life that become natural to us. You know, we're, we learn them quicker. We have an interest in it. We can stay up to date with new developments you know, my occupation, I found something I love to do. And I know, you know, there's a bit of a cliche in that, but very few people really match or find an occupation that they can excel in with minimum effort. And I think it's huge. I think something, this has really been overlooked in schools, in education, that, you know, we're putting children, youngsters through, through education, and there's absolutely no preparation in terms of matching an occupation or, you know, to their skill sets, to what they will do naturally. That's absolutely amazing. It's, it's so true. Uh, in terms of your, your background, you talked about, um, um, you know, you really found something that matches your skill set. Uh, when did you learn this or when did you know? Was it early on in your career that uh, you kind of shifted gears or is it something that, uh, um, you know, as part of your, you know, high school or elementary school, you happen to have someone that helped you with matching? Uh, My elementary school, I have to say that most of my teachers, um, if I was to say it, I probably could insult them because I would probably say that most of them were pretty useless. And uh, there were a couple of very good ones. And that was in my high school and elementary school. See, I'm not sure is it elementary, but primary school, we have younger. Um, Primary school, I was bright. I was fine. Secondary school, high school, everything fell to pieces. I was a chronic mouth breather, nasal obstruction, sleep apnea, undiagnosed, falling asleep in class, no interest. And, uh, you know, I suppose it was a combination of different things. I, I really drove myself hard to get my grades. And in high school, I was studying 10 hours a day, especially in the latter years. I got into university. I really, really studied hard. And I studied hard because I didn't have the concentration to be able to, re- you know, to remember information, to regurgitate information um, if you don't have a good night's sleep, it's very difficult to concentrate. It's very difficult to be creative and it's very difficult to have a calm mind because sleep and breathing will go together. And, you know, I was doing everything incorrectly um, in terms of people would tell me at university that I was two doors down and they would hear me snoring through the walls of the room. And as a youngster, like it's absolutely incredible. 
you know. So I came across, I was in the corporate world. I went working, my first job at a university was working for a multinational called Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And mm. they came to Ireland and I helped to expand their initial branching here. But I don't think I was destined to work for anybody else. Uh, I I loved the a sense of having independence and creativity. And I didn't think that I could ever get that if I was working for another person or company because IT is controlling you. Um, ultimately, it's not your product. Like ultimately, you're getting a wage for it. There's no long-term prospects in it. Um, so, I, you know, I was just, this, the story goes that I was in Enterprise Rent-A-Car for three years. Um, I read just a while before that though, in 1998, I read a newspaper article about the importance of breathing through the nose about the importance of breathing light, about the importance of functional breathing. I switched to nasal breathing and it completely changed my life. And I'll say that without hesitation. And I know it sounds so simple. You could be saying, well, how on earth could breathing through your nose make a difference? Well, for the first couple of days after switching to nasal breathing, I was waking up feeling alert. I'd never woken up feeling alert. I was always groggy getting up. I had to go up to go to the bathroom during many nights before that. If you're mouth breathing, you have sleep disruption. You've got increased snoring. You've got increased obstructive sleep apnea. You have a lighter sleep. And I was constantly exhausted. So when I was in enterprise, at one point I decided, yeah, I've had enough of this. And I went to work for myself. So I started working for myself when I was about 26 years of age. And it was the best thing ever. Um, so not everybody is, is destined to work for themselves or to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, one aspect of it in terms of my role was that it requires so many different hats. And not everybody has those hats. And, you know, we have to be realistic about it. I work in the healthcare profession. I was going into a profession that I had no background knowledge. I had no prior experience. And um, breathing is generally the domain of, you know, I was looking at breathing for asthma. So I actually was going into using, using breathing exercises for the treatment of a health condition. And I didn't have the background in physiology. But I had one thing. I had a hunch and I had an overwhelming gut instinct that it was going to work. And I actually felt calm about going into a situation of uncertainty. And I think, you know, you often hear of people when they are relying on their gut. Um, the gut and intuition is something that we really have to, you know, it, it's such a huge thing, that feeling that, you know, we're, we're moving into an uncharted territory. But everything is feeling, everything feels fine. Yeah, I was prepared for hard work. Um, the different roles, John, you know, you're talking about having a marketing role, customer service role, yep. developing products, um, delivering, del- delivering talks, writing books, you know, and I've developed an, a few different products with patents as well. And so, you know, you're talking about creativity, you're talking about intuition. And the other thing about this is that I started off teaching breathing for asthma and then three years later, four years later, I was teaching breathing for anxiety, stress and panic, panic disorder. And then after a couple of years, I was for sleep apnea, for snoring, for insomnia. And then in 2014, I wrote a book on sports performance. And now, you know, we've divided the business into it. Of course, we have some staff, we're international. We have about, I don't know, about 400 different instructors in many countries throughout the world. I've got eight books, a new book come due for coming. And, you know, it's amazing how something can evolve, that you have an initial seed, 
and that how it continues to to branch into different fields. And luckily, it did branch because if I if I had stayed just teaching asthma, it, nothing would have happened. You know, it was a very too narrow a niche, and people with asthma are generally happy with their medication, and that's fine. So I kept on evolving with it. And it's really about, I suppose, staying open and just kind of seeing opportunity as it arises and taking it. And I suppose gush plays a role there because you're willing to go with it, even though you never know the final outcome. And like if people talk about business plans, I think they're the greatest waste of paper. Honestly, um, I'll give you an example. I was developing a new product called Myotape and we had always an issue in terms of how do we get children to breathe through their nose during sleep. So, you know, traditionally for adults, of course, we use paper tape across the lips, but mm-hmm. what do we do with kids? So I was presented with a situation. Well, I was using the paper tape for children, but I was only saying to myself, it's only going to be a matter of time before, you know, some child gets sick during their sleep and there's a little bit of a risk here and it's a problem. So I was always trying to find out how can I solve this? And Myotape, we came out with a stretchable product that surrounds the lips and you basically it's in the shape of an O and you stretch it by about 30%. It's cotton, it's elasticated cotton and you place it surrounding the mouth, but it's the elastic tension of the tape that helps to bring the lips together. So the child is able to breathe through the nose, but there's no risk. If the child had to get sick or anything, the child was able to, to open the mouth. So we put, we put out the myotape specifically for kids and at the last minute, I did a large adult's tape. And within two weeks, we'd sold out. And that was wow. 200,000 strips. And then I put in another order for 200,000 strips, and that sold out. Now I've put in an order for a half a million strips. And now another order now will be going in for a half a million strips. So here's my whole thing about business plans. How on earth can we predict what is going to happen sometimes in business? You know, you, you think that it's going to roll one way. And even though I was in the field... I'm in breathing, teaching breathing for 18 years, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's always an interesting journey. Yeah, an amazing journey. Thank you for sharing. Uh, do you mind uh, sharing with the audience? Uh, do you remember the specific article that, uh, that you read uh, many years ago? It seems like it was a really important kind of turning point in your life uh, that, uh, you know, a bunch of connections or a light bulb just uh, went off. Do you remember the, the article? Yeah, the article was it was in an Irish newspaper. Um, it was either in the Irish Independent or the Irish Times. The article was about the work of this Russian doctor called Doctor Konstantin Buteyko, mm. and he basically he was he was a medical doctor, and during the 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 space race, he was commissioned with working with astronauts to help determine the composition of air. Um, as astronauts were going into space in terms of in, in rockets. So he also had high blood pressure himself and he noticed there was a connection between patients breathing and their state of health. He, anytime people were getting sick and the sicker they become, he would notice that their breathing got harder, it got faster and more upper chest. So he was asking the question, was it the sickness that was causing these people to breathe harder and faster or was it their harder and fast breathing that was feeding back into the sickness? Mm. And at the time he was suffering from high blood pressure, probably as a result of stress. So he practiced slowing down his breathing and he was able to lower his high blood pressure. And then he started working with people with asthma. So that was the article. And that was the story. The story was about, because 
the story flies in the face of everything that we've been taught about breathing in the Western world. Most people talk about breathing, take a deep breath, take a big breath. There's a belief out there that the more air you breathe, the better it is for the body, which is not correct. In actual fact, if you want to open up your blood vessels and if you want to increase oxygen delivery to your tissues and organs, you're much better off slowing down your breath to the point of a slight air hunger that you're feeling slightly deprived of air, which signifies that carbon dioxide is increased in the blood. And as carbon dioxide increases in the blood, your blood vessels naturally dilate. So for, to give you an example, people with cold hands, it's synonymous with over-breathing. And I always had cold hands, I always had cold feet, and I always had brain fog. You know, because, and the other thing is, you know, how many of your listeners here are waking up with a dry mouth in the morning? And, you know, these guys you're, and gals, you're expected to perform in business. There's a few things you need to perform in business. Number one is energy and relentless energy. And it's not a forced energy. It's not about this thing. Like I'm going to force, regardless of how mentally fatigued I am, I'm going to force myself to do it. That doesn't work because you're not going to be productive in the first instance. This morning I got up at 5.30 in the morning. I started work at 6 a.m. Um, I work a 12 hour day and typically I could start work at 3, 4, 5 a.m. depending. But I wake up with absolute tremendous energy. And a big aspect of that was getting my breathing right and even simply making the change of breathing through your nose during sleep can make a huge, huge difference. Like sleep has not got the attention that it really deserves. And mm. when it gets the attention, people are talking about, well, don't be looking at your smartphone, don't be looking at your laptop, wear blue light filter glasses, don't drink alcohol late at night, don't eat, all of these things. And that's all very good. The elephant in the room is breathing through the nose. You can do all of those other things and still have a, a crap night's sleep. Get your mouth closed, breathe in and out through your nose, have your tongue in the correct resting posture and breathe using your diaphragm. In other words, amplitude of the diaphragm breathing muscle because it's your diaphragm breathing muscle that's connected with the upper airway dilator muscles in the throat, which are designed to maintain an open airway during sleep. So you don't have a risk of the airway collapsing, which would be obstructive sleep apnea. So it starts off with sleep. And then in terms of breathing, you also have to consider concentration. And concentration is your ability to hold your attention exclusively on, on subject matter for a period of time without distraction. And when I'm talking about concentration, I'm not just talking about going through the motions. I'm not just talking about looking at a sheet of paper in front of you, but I'm talking about absolutely absorbing the information on that sheet of paper. And it's effortless attention. And concentration is something that is trained. Some people have it naturally. I remember I was in university. When I, when I was in university, I went to university in Dublin called Trinity College in Dublin. Yeah. And my background was economics. And uh, this was back in about 1996, 1997. And I was joined by a friend of mine. His name is Terry Clune, C-L-U-N-E. And, you know, Terry hadn't, he hadn't opened a book for this exam. And he came into the library. I was there studying. And we had about 20 minutes to go before the exam was about to start. He hadn't opened the book for it. And he says, he says, Paddy, he says, do you have your notes there? And I said, I do. And I handed him my notes. And I remember just thinking, he was looking at my notes, but I knew that he wasn't just looking at them. His attention was absolutely fixated on them. And he had 100% of his attention looking at his notes. Now, if I was looking at my notes, 
yeah, to an outside observer, it would seem that I was looking at my notes, but my attention wasn't on the notes because my attention would be stuck in my head. So in any event, the two of us went off, did our exam. Results come back. He got the same result that I got. It took me three months to get my result. It took him 20 minutes to get the result. Now, the same guy went out. He was starting a company at the time called taxback.com. Mm-hmm. And he also has a company called Transformate. And he's also several companies. But he's currently worth about 600 million euro, which is about $800 million. And when I spoke with him about two months ago, his, his goal is before he is 52 years of age, is to have three companies and each company worth a billion dollars. Wow. So that's his goal. Now, the only reason I give you that story is because I want to talk about concentration and I want to talk about that absolutely and undivided attention that no matter what is going on, that you're so focused. And the reason that this is so very important, because look at the quality of your work when your mind is all over the place. When your mind is all over the place, you will start one job you won't finish it because you're in such a rush to get to the end of it that you're likely to abandon it and then to move on to something else and not finish that and then to move on to something else. And again, our education system has really failed us here because our education system is teaching us how to think and to analyze and to break information into tiny pieces. It's teaching us how to think, but it's not teaching us how to stop thinking. And when the mind cannot stop thinking, and genetics is going to play a role here, that if you're constantly being distracted and bombarded by thought after thought after thought, you don't have the focus to carry through with your tasks. And it's very important to train the brain. And you have to bear in mind as well that society now and the, the, you know, the changes in technology are really setting minds up to be absolutely distracted. We're constantly being distracted by mobile phones, emails, social messaging, and also companies like Instagram and Facebook. You know, there is an addictive quality to likes. There's an addictive quality like the the rash that's tapping at the cage looking for food. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of youngsters and individuals now with their heads stuck in their phones, you know, it's really, I really wonder what is the long-term effects of this not just in terms of focus, not just in terms of success and application. And, you know, there's something tremendous about applying yourself to to reach your full potential. And most people, they are surrendering their attention to stupid things like social media. What a waste of time. So get rid of the phone or put it on flight mode or spend a certain amount of time looking at your phone each day and then put it away. You should have control of your phone, not your phone in control of you. And the other thing is that we should have control of our own mind and not the mind in control of us. We need to train the brain to be focused. And one way to do that is by focusing on the breath. Now, as I said earlier on, when your sleep is good, your mind is more likely to be concentrated. If you're suffering from fatigue, poor night's sleep, you know, you you don't have the capacity to hold your attention because you, you simply don't have the energy and you don't have the mood. Whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, it doesn't matter. Sleep is absolutely paramount for success and especially for an entrepreneur because an employee can get away with things and they'll wing it. You know, an employee will. But 
an entrepreneur has to be accountable and they're really accountable for themselves. And it takes a special, special individual to be an entrepreneur. Not, not everybody is set up to be an entrepreneur, but we are, as entrepreneurs, we don't want to be wasting our own time. Whereas an employee doesn't really care. That's, you know, that's the reality of it. I'm not saying all employees are the same, but you, you'll see employees, some of them are absolutely useless, you know, and they, they don't care and they don't have the same consideration for the business that the entrepreneur has for the business. Um, because an employee who has the same consideration for the business that the entrepreneur has, it's likely that that, that employee will want to go out and set up their own business. And uh, so an employee will get away with, to some extent, which, you know, they'll kind of, in terms of poor sleep, concentration, et cetera. But the entrepreneur can't because we have to apply ourselves to the absolute best and we have to be in the best, you know, we have to set up the recipe for success. And the recipe for success is sleep and the recipe for success is control of the mind and one aspect into improving both and also the ability to handle stress is through our breathing. And, you know, ability to handle stress, it's kind of ironic that when we get stressed, we breathe harder, we breathe faster, we go into a fight or flight. There's reduced blood flow to the brain and there's reduced oxygen delivery to the brain. Because when we breathe hard and fast throughout our evolution, typically stress throughout our evolution was always accompanied by physical exercise. It's okay to breathe hard and fast if you're doing physical exercise. But nowadays we get stressed Our breathing gets harder and faster, but we're completely stationary and harder and fast breathing is causing blood flow to the brain to, to reduce. And this is then impairing our thinking. So the very time that we need to have focus and concentration, we don't because evolution, the human body hasn't kept up, hasn't evolved with the pace of modern life and nor, nor could it. But it really boils down to as well, the measure of a leader, because the capabilities of a leader is not how they perform when things are going well. Any monkey can run about business when things are going well, because the business takes care of itself. The measure of a leader is how do they perform when things aren't going well? When the shit is hitting the fan, how well can you do? Do you have the focus? Do you have the ability to remain calm and controlled to reach a decision and not only to reach a decision, but to pull it through? And that's really where it's going. And you'll always come through this. You know, when you have your own business, whether you're a one man band or whether you've got a hundred employees or whatever, you will always have a time that things are not going right. It's inevitable. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, stay, stay there. It will happen soon enough. But it's really about, because for that, when something goes wrong, when the situation warrants total intervention, we need to have the energy, we need to have the the confidence, we need to have the commitment. And it's a total balancing act as well, because then you're, you're requiring employees maybe to carry out tasks. But if you're stressed yourself, you're going to put the stress onto the employees. If you're stressed yourself, you're more likely to make stupid decisions because they can be irrational and they can be too quick, you know? So it comes back to how do I do it? Well, I brought breathing into my way of life, you know, as well as because I teach the method, but I didn't just teach this method. I actually started off with bringing it into my way of life first. It totally changed my life. 
And it was from the impact it had on changing my life and improving energy, improving resilience, no colds, or if I get a cold, it might be one every two years or something, um, staying healthy for the last 20 years and watching a small little business, a small little concept, and it's still a small business, but it's grown to give me a lovely quality of life. And the breadth has helped me right throughout that. So I'm just going to kind of finalize, finalize these couple of sentences. If you want to excel, you need to have good quality sleep, good quality breathing, and good quality to be able to maintain composure in the face of stress. Yeah, absolutely amazing. You went through a period of time in, in your uh, kind of early school, uh, high school, primary school, and where you're literally spending you know, 10 hours a day studying. Yes. And you came across this amazing article, which also, you know, about butanko breathing, you know, work that was being done related to the space race, then also being able to apply that to your life and then uh, finding the courage with inside you to say, okay, I'm on this path, which is the traditional path in terms of you know, working for a company, uh, you know, to have that strength to kind of go out on your own and find those new levels of energy and concentration and resilience and health uh, within your own life. And I'd love to sh- uh, switch gears just a little bit in terms of, um, you know, you talked about that calm in the face of uh, uncertainty and uncertain situations. What are some of the, you know, what are the things that get you into kind of peak states or flow states as you describe it? Uh, what are some of the things that, uh, uh, that you do across your life that you find? Uh, is it those periods of time where you're under tremendous pressure, things aren't going perfectly? And, uh, but if you can share with the audience some of the things that uh, you find help you get into those, those flow states. Uh, flow, flow states is really when, you know, it, it's, it's that state of mind where, you're tapping into your creative, creative side flow status when, when I'm okay, I've developed a few different houses. I've designed them. Um, I've been involved with the whole building process and the initial design interior, etc. that brings me into flow state. Um, when I'm sitting there and I'm just visualizing, where's this room going to go? Where's that room going to go? Um, that's one aspect of it. Flow state is when I'm designing a product flow state is when I sit down at about four o'clock in the morning and I'm in a state of almost effortless ease that my attention is moving simultaneously with time that I'm not stuck in the past or moving to the future I'm completely in present moment. And it's almost that you're tapping into a part of the brain right at the back of the head And I can tap into it a lot more at ease now, but of course it takes time to be able to do that. The flow can be created and the flow can be, it can be replicated. So for example, if I'm giving a talk, I have my own ritual. If I'm going out into a group, say five, 600 people, I have my own ritual that I do and I always do it because I want to be in a state of calmness, but at the same time, I want to be totally alert. You don't want to go out too calm. You'll make a mess of it. And you don't want to be going out too nervous either because you'll make a mess of it. So there's that happy medium. So I devised a little strategy for myself that we use now as well with elite athletes, with MMA fighters, etc. So I think flow state is that it's really, I get it from the enjoyment of doing what I'm doing. And especially when you're working to figure out something from a creative point of view, that you can put the critical mind aside. And it's almost, I don't know, 
what what are you tapping into? But you're you're tapping almost into a greater a greater accessibility in the human mind that you're using more of your intelligence than ordinarily what we would use. We have to bear in mind over years, over decades, that the human brain has absorbed a lot of information. Everything that we have done, every contact that we've made with people, every conversation, every piece of reading, every source of information that we've exposed to, that can be stored in the brain. There's a lot of information in there. And it's not just that we want to replicate the information, but it's using, it's tapping into almost that it's a muscle memory. And to tap into that state, you need to put the critical mind aside. I remember, for example, and I'm sure many of your listeners have done it. I was deciding what's, what's, what logo should I do? And wrecking my head on logos, which logo, this, that logo going on for weeks. And then I completely forgot about the logo. And I was on a Ryanair flight, which is a Ryanair is a is a European carrier. They they model it off Kelleher's your Southwest Airlines. And I was sitting at the front seat in the Ryanair and I looked at the Ryanair logo and I see the harp and I see the, the angel and I seen the design of the logo and I said, That's exactly it. So I went back and of course I didn't copy Ryanair's logo, but I think the concept is was that I wanted a logo that stood out that wasn't surrounded in a bubble or a box or anything like that, that the image itself was the logo. And that was just the idea. But it's amazing, like, when we're open to it, how these ideas can come into play. And the more you think about it, the less room there is for original and fresh thinking to, to enter. And that's if we're worried about something, it's very difficult to make a decision out. So we need a space to think and to sit down and at least to try and come up with a plan of action. But then there's a time that our thinking is totally unproductive. And when our, when our thinking is unproductive, you're as well off just leaving it and slow down everything, bring your attention into the body, go for a walk onto your breath, enjoy yourself, go out for a few drinks if you want to, whatever. Um, but my point is that, yeah, thinking becomes unproductive when you're running the same stuff through your head over and over and over again in an effort to try and solve a solution where the real thing is to bring a gap of stillness into the mind to allow the answer to emerge. And that's when you're stopping thinking that we have to create space for original and fresh thinking. And that doesn't happen. Like most discoveries were not made from constantly thinking about them, but they were made when individuals had stopped thinking, when the critical mind was put aside and that the, inform, the, the answer emerged. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, if you could share with, with the audience, uh, you know, just when you, when you get into these flow states that you talked about, you talked about designing uh, your houses. I'm sure there's, uh, you know, working uh, with uh, organizations, working with clients, you know, speaking, getting that flow state. How do you find that uh, your, your breathing changes uh, with inside of those states? Well, typically what I'll do is, there's two aspects what I do. If, I, if I've got a large talk coming up, I will sit down for about 20 minutes. And number one is I, do, I never turn up at a conference early in the morning. If I was due to talk at about two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not going to turn up there at 9am because if I turn up at 9am, I end up talking to this person and that person and that person, and the other person. And by the time 2pm comes, the energy is sucked out of me. We, we, ha we only have a certain amount of energy 
And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about, you know, energy levels that are incredibly high. You want to conserve your energy and and that energy throughout the day is is a limited resource. And that's why we have to be very careful about what we spend our attention on. So my typical routine is, yeah, I'll get up early in the morning. I'll go down to the gym, the hotel. I'll come back to the hotel room. I'll make sure that my presentation is everything is prepared. A lot of the time, I just speak off the cuff for an hour, maybe two hours or whatever. And then about an hour or two before the presentation, I'll sit down, I'll close my eyes, and I'll slow down my breathing to about six breaths per minute. Mm. And that's helping to influence the autonomic nervous system. That's stimulating the vagus nerve. That's activating the body's parasympathetic response, that the body is going into a state of relaxation. I'm constantly bringing my attention back onto my breathing, even though my mind now will be a lot more controlled and focused than it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, my mind was all over the shop. Um, But I would do that then for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and that also helps me regain energy. But then I'm too relaxed. So what I do then is I go for small walks around the hotel room and I do some strong breath holds. And I do strong breath holds to open up the nose, to open up the airways, but also to increase blood flow and oxygen delivery to the brain. So when people tell you to take a deep breath when you're stressed, it's absolute nonsense. And, you know, if if you're stressed, do breath holding. Maybe do a few gentle breath holds because when you do a gentle breath hold, for example, if you take a normal breath in and out through your nose and you hold your nose, and even if you hold your breath for, say, five, ten seconds, and then let go and you breathe in and you breathe normally for 10 seconds and you do it again, that will help increase blood flow to the brain. Or you could do box breathing, which is not too bad either. It's a good, good technique. You breathe in, say, for four seconds, but don't breathe in with a big breath. Just breathe in lightly. Breathe in nice, easily and slowly for four seconds. You shouldn't hear your breathing. So breathe in silently for four seconds in through your nose. Then hold your breath for four seconds. Then breathe out nice and slowly for four seconds. Then hold your breath for four seconds. Then breathe in through your nose nice and slowly and silently for four seconds. Hold your breath. And these little actions help to influence the autonomic nervous system to to give you, you want to be on that balance. You want to be relaxed and you want to be alert. And flow state is, is achieved by nose breathing, by slow breathing, and also by practice. So the time to start thinking about your breathing is not when stress is there. The time to start thinking about your breathing is now. Make it a habit of bringing your attention out of your mind onto your body into, into, the, into the present moment. Train your brain to be able to hold its attention exclusively on present moment awareness. And the breath, the breath is one, one way to do that. And yeah, at first your mind wanders off, you bring your attention back onto your breathing. Your mind wanders off, you bring your attention back onto your breathing. Use, use your capacity to hold your attention on your breathing as a measure of your concentration. Because if you're not able to hold your attention on your breath for any length of time, you're hardly able to hold your attention on anything, on any subject matter, whether it's work, whether it's coming up with an idea, or even when it's just being in a meeting, being present and engaged in a meeting. You know, we have such now an attention deficit hyperactivity society that the, the mind is being trained, you know, and we're constantly bombarded with overload of information 
that's another aspect that we should be talking about, you know, being selective about the information that we let into our heads. Because the human mind is the filter through which we experience all of life. And we never step back and ask the question, what's my mind doing? What am I thinking about? What am I wasting time and energy on? You know, if I'm just thinking about something and worrying incessantly, and especially over something that I have no control over, you know, there's only a few things we can do. We can either try, we can try and solve the problem. We can remove ourselves from the problem. Uh, we can wait until the time is right. And, uh, you know, part of this will always involve being able to, to realize that, yes, there is a time for planning, but then there's a time to stop thinking and there's a time to bring our attention into the body, onto the breath, in order to bring a stillness to the mind, but more, more importantly, train the brain. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And that, uh, you know, really that, as you talked about too, it's, uh, you don't wait until those periods of time. It's that process of, of training in advance that allows you to be present, especially in those times of uncertainty where, you know, uh, where there's a lot that might be hitting the fan, so to speak. So I'd love to switch gears a little bit at this stage uh, to if you could share with the audience maybe one or two of the small things that you do to maintain happiness or well-being in your personal life. And it might be going for a walk or it might be for a, a cup of coffee. But just one or, one or, one or two of the small things. Uh, I know that the breath is a really important uh, aspect in terms of uh, you know, a practice that you'd have on a daily basis, weekly basis. Uh, maybe one or two other things that, uh, uh, that you do to maintain happiness or well-being. Yeah, totally. One is don't listen to the news. Um, I don't listen to the news. I don't read newspapers. And I stopped listening to the news about 20 years ago. And the reason being is because if you're listening to the news, yeah, if you want to listen to the news, maybe listen to it once per day and then switch it off. You can imagine now with COVID, I'm not sure how it is if you're in the United States, but here in Ireland, we would turn on the news at say five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. And the bulletin is about COVID. And then you hear the news at seven o'clock and the bulletin is about COVID and eight o'clock, the bulletin is about COVID and nine o'clock, the same, 10 o'clock, the same. And people are absolutely wondering, it's how on earth, how could you be sane and how could you be calm listening to total negativity, total biased information and information that isn't a reflection of what's happening in life anyway. So what, what I do is I'd be more careful about what information I'm exposing myself to that I've got a limited amount of energy throughout the day and I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste it just on scrolling through phones. I don't want to waste it listening to the news. I don't want to waste it listening to useless information. And if I want information, buy a book. Or if you want information, go and get a journal and read a really decent, in-depth piece of information. So that's one aspect that I do. I live absolutely isolated I'm very much, there's no houses near me. We've got our own plot and I'm lucky enough to have, you know, lovely space and, and lovely scenery that we can go for a walk and to appreciate that. And yeah, if you can't even go for that, if you can't go for a walk, always get out to nature because there's an intelligence in nature and it's so compelling for the human being that we are exposing ourselves to nature over hundreds of thousands of years, we belonged to nature. We were always immersed in it and even feeling the ground underneath your foot, not that it's just tarmacadam or concrete, but feeling grass underneath your feet, connecting with that and family, spending with family. And it's the simple things that actually give us, give us happiness. 
you know, I've always said one thing in life. I wanted to, to make a living, but I didn't want a life of stress. And I felt kind of, you know, when I came out of university, I was at the time, I suppose I came out of a, a business degree. I used to be envious of the guys going into the big four accounting firms and, you know, when I look back, I'm 50, I'm nearly 50 years of age. When I look back and I'm just thinking, am I so fortunate? And we had, we had a 30 year or 25 year university reunion a couple of years back, a few years ago. And I was there and I was the only one teaching breathing. And yeah, on the scale of things, probably one would say, Jesus, it's such a crap career. He hasn't really done that with it. And that's fine. But I was just standing back and I said, what's it all about? Who is happy here? Who is happy? Who loves going in to do their work of a Monday morning? I love going in to do my work of a Monday morning. I'm not controlled by IT. I'm not controlled by a boss above me. I've got a very creative industry that I'm working with and an industry now which has become very ripe. And people now, people now get breathing. I'm happy. And that's really what it's about. So, you know, sometimes we measure, you know, what society provides respect in terms of the individual that's, has he got the big company? He's got loads of employees. He's stressed up to his eyeballs. He's going to die of a heart attack at 55 years of age. That's not much, you know? So let's get our priorities right with this one. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I love that in terms of, uh, you know, how you measure life. And, you know, one that one fundamental question is, are, are you happy? And uh, which helps guide a tremendous number of your decisions. And you've, t- you've had the courage, you know, to follow your passions, uh, uh, which you know, started from, you know, really you know, working with yourself, learning about applying it to yourself, now being able to apply it at scale. And also right now with uh, just the awareness of breath, it's becoming, as you talked about, ripe. Uh, it's really, you know, it's come to the forefront in terms of awareness and media, uh, which is absolutely tremendous. Uh, Patrick, could you share with us some of the, the projects that you're, or initiatives that you're currently working on? Sure. Our recent, most recent one is Myotape. Um, so that's the tape that's running them out. I've also got a new book, that I have, have the manuscript has to be done by 15th of August. So it's 150,000 words. And it's looking at the application of breathing for females, for example, which has been ignored to date pretty much. And um, despite females having very much different breathing to males in terms of the monthly cycle, the application that has on pain, etc., fatigue, anxiety. So you get a female entrepreneurs and um, they need to be given the tools that at different stages of the monthly cycle, how can they remain concentrated and um, to be able to better deal with stress, etc.? Type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, sleep apnea. So the next book is, is breathing, but it's very much on a health focus, whereas the oxygen advantage, the last one was more of a sports and performance focused. And then there's another book in the pipeline after that then, and that's all about the mind. So strategies to improve concentration, some of which we spoke about today. Um, I've got a nasal dilator as well, nasal dilator that I'm in the process of designing. And I've also got a sports mask, which has been put out there. So these are all little, small little projects, but all coming together. It's just different strands, I suppose, of it's, it's different strands on the same topic, and it's, I think it's always good as well. You never know in business when you launch a product, how well it's going to do, you know, because especially when it's new. So 
not that nasal dilator is new or anything, but it's new, it's new for me. But that's why it's important that if you, if you kind of continuously come up with innovative and new ideas, yeah, the first two mightn't do all that well, but then you get one that's, that's a cash cow. And even though it's not necessarily about the money, but there's a bit of, there's a bit of a buzz out of producing a concept that you see it in demand and it's, it's, you know, it's fulfilling. You think that you've, you've done something right. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Patrick, where can people find you, uh, you know, find out more about these initiatives or find you personally? Uh, so for ox- oxygenadvantage.com is one of the, the websites. And if you put my name into YouTube, um, we also have Instagram channels, etc. So we're on the social media, but at the same time, don't, don't spend so much time looking into it. But certainly from a breathing perspective, my book, The Oxygen Advantage, could be a good read for any of you who are interested in following this through. And I would leave you with this, you know, in terms of sleep, if you wake up at a dry mouth tomorrow morning, ask yourself the question, do you feel rest, rested? And if you're dealing with stress, and stress is making you breathe harder and faster and feeding back into stress. Don't take the deep breath, but do the opposite. You know, sit down, take your attention out of the mind onto your breathing. Breathe in and out through your nose, but really slow down your breathing to the point that you're even under breathing and see, can you improve your body temperature? Tap into your body. And the other aspect is become more aware of how much you spend your attention on fruitless thinking. And of course, we will all spend some attention on fruitless thinking. But if we are paying attention to what's going on in our mind, we are less likely to spend so much time on fruitless thinking. Absolutely amazing. Patrick, thank you for your leadership, your books, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you're taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.